And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. We are recording this one, George, Friday afternoon after both Anthony Richardson and Chris Ballard gave their end of the season press conferences. So this is what a large part of this pod will be next week with, we were just talking about it, George, the first time in maybe a decade where there is going to be a, a very... We'll, we'll call it believing to be boring off season. No quarterback questions, no head coach questions. So next week, since we don't have a pod tracking the Colts interview list and trying to figure out who the next quarterback will be, we'll do our season in review and kind of put a bow on the 2023 season, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, et cetera. But this pod will be a large part of a reaction to what Chris Ballard said and what Anthony Richardson said. George, you were in the room for both. Let's start with the quarterback in AR first. The biggest thing I took away that I liked and appreciated was the fact that Richardson seemed to really understand how important his health is. And next year, he is going to really make sure, and I think saw how tough it is to be on the sidelines when his team's playing. I don't think his playing style will change. And we'll get to that because he talked about that as well. But he is definitely conscious, George, and unfortunately had to learn the hard way that he's got to take better care of himself because availability, as we say, right, is the most important ability in all of uh, sports. In fairness to him, you know, he said that really at the start of the season, the regular season, somebody asked him what's his goal for this year, and he said he wanted to be available for all 17 games. Um, you know, so he, I think he understood it, but I think I think what you said there that's really key is it's one thing going into as a rookie quarterback to go, okay, I have to stay healthy. It's another thing to realize what that means and what that's going to take. Uh, and I think that's, as you mentioned, that's what's different now is that he came out there and, and he took full responsibility for the concussion. And he said, look, I can't slow up going in the end zone because defenders in this league are not going to stop. They're going to play. They're going to defend every blade of grass. They're going to come out there and they're going to hit you. And you know, you got to be ready for that. You've got to, you got to understand that. Uh, but he also said, and I think he's absolutely true, that he thought most of the other injuries were unfortunate. And I think that's what we have said on the pod. So obviously he listens to the Blue Horseshoe pod. I think that's what we confirmed from, from the Anthony Richards impressor. Um, you know, they were just, you bang your knee on the turf. You know, it, it's going to happen. There are certain things you might be able to try to do, but he got tackled on the shoulder injury. There's, there's nothing else on there. And as much as we want to make this about like this litany of injuries, that's it. Those three. He banged his knee on the turf. He got a concussion because he slowed up going in the end zone. And he got tackled and fell wrongly on his shoulder. And, you know, that was it. Now it's three and four games, and that's why everyone's, you know, up in arms. But I agree with him 100%. He, he wasn't playing recklessly. You want to watch reckless football, go watch Will Levis. That's reckless football for a quarterback. He wasn't putting his shoulder in the defenders. He wasn't getting helicoptered. He wasn't trying to leap people in a single bound, but I do think he understands now on a different level. He always knew he had to be there for the team, but I think when it's taken away like anything else, when it's taken away from you, now you understand even more. Okay, this is why. Because, you know, Mike Chappell asked him point blank, what'd you miss by missing so many games your rookie season? He said the playoffs, and he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. I'm glad you brought up the Will Levis comp because for ultimate NFL tough guy and Mike Vrabel to basically be like, dude, chill out. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> that's when you know maybe you're going to, you know, you're playing with a little too much reckless abandon. We've never, you know, Shane's not had to say that. 
Um, thankfully, but you're right. Like it's, it's frustrating in a way to just chalk it up to bad luck because that's not tangible, right? Like you can't say next year, Oh, I'm going to have better luck. You, you, that doesn't happen. So in a way, like it, like it's like Richardson acknowledges that like, yeah, two to three injuries are just, it's football. It's going to happen. You really can't control that. But the, the concussion, um, letting up in the end zone and Ballard mentioned this as well. I think that's going to be a huge learning point because that was something he can control. And it's something we talked about where it's like, you don't understand the speed of the NFL until you're in it. And you think, Oh, I like the guy's a physical specimen. So in, you know, peewee football, high school football, even at Florida in a year in the SEC, Richardson, I'm sure most times can just lean on his athletic ability and outrun or outmuscle almost anyone that he's going to face. In the NFL, it's not the case. I mean, you defensive linemen running like four, six forties, like they are almost as fast as you are. And they have 300 pounds. So they'll catch you. And the DBs are bigger and stronger and faster. So they'll hit you harder. So I think that's a good lesson of just like highlighting the importance of do I need, it's kind of like with Andrew Luck almost right. It sounds a lot similar, uh, very similar to Andrew Luck where it's like, Andrew, do you need the extra yard? Do you have to put your shoulder down and run someone through? Or can you step out of bounds? Could do, do you take away a yard and maybe on first down now it's second and one instead of moving the chains on first down the second quarter? Sure. But is, is that the smarter play long-term? Absolutely. And so I, I think Richardson acknowledges, yeah, it's bad luck, but also too, there's small things I can control to make sure that I'm not in a situation where I'm missing uh, 13 starts next year and, and putting a position where the backup quarterback has to play a majority of the snaps. I mean, he said specifically, like, you know, the first and 10, you know, maybe you just get what you can get and get out of bounds right away or get down and so that you can get back up and, and make the next play. You can argue that hit on the concussion, you know, potentially won the division for the Texans because, you know, it started, he's out again, and, and then he misses the next week, and then, you know, he, he comes back, and then the season's over, and you just don't know. I mean, it, it, that's how small the margin is in the NFL that, you know, one little – one little play like that, you know, because maybe if 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 Richardson knew then what he knows now and he doesn't get hit on that play, he finishes that game, who knows how Houston reacts the rest of the year. If that game continues to go the way it was going when Anthony Richardson scored that touchdown and they don't have a second and a half comeback and they don't, you know, have something to build on for the rematch, who knows what happens? They, they end up, I think they went to Jacksonville the next week and won and it really started Smoke. their run. You know how much that was because they were able to come back in that game. They were able to that grant, I and mean, they still lost by eleven points, but they they did put a little bit of a scare into them. You know, those are the kind of things in the NFL that I don't think you realize until you're around the league long enough that even a game like that can be a, a season turning event. Uh, and he understands it now. And he said his whole his whole philosophy yesterday was to play smarter. That's it. You know, I'm not going to change the way I play. I'm just going to understand. Okay, maybe the fourth quarter, I will take a risk, you know, and try to to do something to win the game. But the first quarter, no need for that, you know, and and try to, like you said at the top, the most important thing for him, and, and he knows that, is taking the next snap, being available to go take the next snap. And it, you know, Gardner Minshew deserves a ton of credit for coming in here in 13 games and having this team in a position where they were playing for a playoff spot in the final week of the season. Uh, but I don't think there's anybody out there who understands football who can honestly say 
this wouldn't have been a different look in a, in a different season if Anthony Richardson had been able to finish it. You may be very well correct in that the only reason the Texans are hosting a playoff game this Saturday is because of the hit Richardson took back in week two. I could also argue, George, that going forward the next decade, the Colts could win this division more times than not, in part because of that hit, because that concussion, I think more than banging the knee in week one against the Jaguars or getting tackled on his shoulder and having a season end in, what was that, week six against the Titans? Right. I think that can, week five, thank you. Week five, uh, that week two concussion, I think really opened his eyes to just, like you said, finishing plays and not allowing the defender the opportunity to get a lick on you. And I think also underscore the importance of, like you said, second down and, and your know, first down and 10, three yards and sliding is better than lowering your shoulder and getting five yards. And I think that hit more than the other two really opened his eyes to, for, right, in some games and some quarters, getting down is more important than getting the yards. And if he can keep that philosophy and learn the lesson the hard way, but have that stick going forward, it hope, hopefully could prevent an Andrew Luck 2.0, where we saw the first three years of his career, four years of his career, that ferocious tenacity of getting every single yard possible and never sliding, never going out of bounds, it eventually caught up with him. Hopefully with Richardson, if he learns that lesson early, that could be the difference between having your quarterback retire at 29 and having your quarterback around for the next 10 to 15 years and always competing and winning the AFC South and who knows you know, beyond that. But that hit, I think, while it may have won the Texans the division in the short term this year, that hit, honestly, we could be looking back and saying that really, you know, change the trajectory of AR's career in a good way to make sure he's healthy and you're not playing recklessly like Will Levis. I mean, he hasn't gotten hurt, but even Josh Allen puts his body in a lot of precarious situations, hasn't paid the price yet, but he's also, I mean, that feels like a ticking time bomb, unfortunately, where he keeps doing that. Eventually, whether it's an Andrew Luck situation that catches up or just one big hit that really hurts himself, that could have a monumental impact on Buffalo the next few years. The thing is, I think there's a massive blueprint out there for the Colts too that that will help them. Uh, I think they're they're out of their mind if they don't dig this year and 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 look at what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson. I mean, for years with Lamar, it was he can't stay on the field. He can't stay on the field. Probably jinxing him by bringing this up right now. But this year, he's not just been on the field. He's the likely MVP. Uh, he played from the pocket a little bit more this year than than you saw him, you know, in years past. Uh, but he was still running. He was still a threat with his legs. It's not like anybody goes into a a game against the Ravens and thinks, well, we don't have to worry about Lamar. You know, just keep him in the pocket, and he's not going to hurt us with his legs at all. That that's not anywhere near. But what Todd Munkin's been able to come in there and do, and and you know, work with him, I'm sure the Colts are going to say that. I mean, in the NFL's copycat league. I'm sure they're going to study that. We know that Lamar was one of uh, Richardson's role models growing up. He's one of the guys that he tries to pattern how he plays on. And to me, that's it's it's right out there for you. You know, the different things that that the uh, the Ravens did with Lamar, uh, what the Dolphins were able to do with Tua, who was also, you know, hey, he's too injury prone. He's never going to be able to, to start in this league. Um, you know, got through this year and, and got the Dolphins in the playoffs. These are things that I think the Colts can look at and say, okay, you know, does he need to go and and do? Was it jujitsu that that uh, Tua was doing? You know, yeah. I, I, you leave no stone unturned. Is my point. You know, so if it's scheme wise, if it's uh, 
something that he can do. It's it should all be on the table. I'm the Lamar comp you brought up. I think is perfect and genius because here's why. You're you're right. They changed the offense to where it's more of a pass first offense than the RPO offense. It's been the last few years in Baltimore, but that didn't change the way Lamar played because look at the stats right now. Lamar had the second most rushing attempts on the team. He led the Ravens in rushing yards. So, like, compared to previous years, the carries and the yards didn't change. But what changed was there were less designed run calls for Lamar, and there's a lot more for him drop back, oh, nothing's there, then I scramble. The difference with that, George, is a lot of the design runs, sure, some around the edge, but a lot of them is up the middle, and you're leaving yourself susceptible to big-time defensive linemen and linebackers getting a good shot on you. When you're dropping back more and all of a sudden now you see a hole up the middle or no one's open, you roll out and then just take off and run to the sideline or slide down, even though you're still running and maybe get 10 yards, you, you're you not as vulnerable to taking the big hit because there's more open space. So it's easier for you to slide or get out of bounds and not get hit. So Lamar, even though his rushing stats aren't that drastically different this year versus previous years, the big difference is why he's been able to stay healthy it's like less runs up the middle to the meat of the defense, which keeps Lamar healthier. And all of a sudden now you're talking about a very effective quarterback that all of a sudden now lasting longer because he's not taking as many big shots. And that's the thing with Richardson. And you heard it from both him and Chris Ballard uh, when they talked on Thursday, like Richardson is a pass first guy. And we talked about that even coming out of Florida, like he gets the dual threat, um, but he's someone who looks to pass first. And that's huge because you are going to have RPOs, right? You are going to call designed runs. But if Richardson is more of a drop back passer and a lot of his runs, most of his runs are more scrambles and broken plays where you can get out of bounds and slide easier, he'll be just as effective as a dual threat quarterback. And like you said, you still have the game plan for Lamar Jackson being a throw with his legs. But the difference is you are not going to get as many free and open shots that could get him injured, like we saw in 2023, if, you know, that, I mean, it's you're not changing the philosophy with the Ravens, right? Because they were obviously a run-heavy team that changed. The Colts, I think, in their mind, are going to have more what the Ravens' offense looks this year, where it's more pass-first with a dual-threat quarterback. That's how it's going to look in the future. And that's going to do wonders, in theory, of keeping AR healthy, but also have him be super effective. And Jonathan Taylor could play a big role in this, too. Because Absolutely. you know, you make sure that he's more often the R in the RPO. So that if you are gonna run it, it's it's the handoff, it's not the keeper. And and it's really the run pass option is just handoff or throw. You know, that very seldom is it gonna be, unless again, fourth quarter and you need a two-point conversion to tie the game, and the best choice is to keep it. Okay, then that's where you take that risk, you know, and tie up the game. But uh otherwise it's not like it's a bad option to hand it off to Jonathan Taylor. And I think that's something we, we saw them together for one play. So, it you know, and, and at that point, Taylor was just starting the year. I mean, he was a far cry from where he was, you know, in week 18. But if you get the week 18 Jonathan Taylor out there with a healthy Anthony Richardson, then I think that makes Richardson healthier right there. I know it sounds crazy, but defenses are going to have to key on on Taylor. And so even when Richardson does keep the ball, he's probably not going to have six defenders on him. I mean, it's just not mathematically that's not going to happen. And so the abilities for him to make a guy miss or, like you said, get down or get out of bounds should be there. And I think that's going to be critical. The, the runs are coming. 
because nobody's open, if they're coming because Jonathan Taylor has taken half the defense his way, you know, those are going to be different things than him, you know, tucking the ball on a design run and, and running around the end and, and getting hit by Harold Landry in, in a season ending. So you can't avoid something like that. It's football. It's going to happen. The Bengals weren't able to keep Joe Burrow's season from ending this year. The Jets field is going to, you know, end every quarterback's career, I think, for eternity, it looks like, maybe from both teams. Um, you know, it, it's just disaster. Some things cannot be done. And, and again, and I'm not going to get off this, the turf is changing. I think the turf and Jonathan Taylor and a slight tweak to offensive philosophy all work in Anthony Richardson's favor. Which is why, George, it brings up the other point that, or the other big takeaway from Richardson's press conference on Thursday, which is the fact that his playing style doesn't need to change, right? Mm -hmm. It's frustrating that he got hurt in all but one game that he that he played. He could only finish one game. It's very frustrating. But what we're talking about, like the only thing that has to change with Richardson, which I think is he acknowledges, is just getting down more. It's not carrying the ball less. It's not, you know, totally doing a 180 on how he wants to play the game. It simply is slide, get out of bounds, and take a few less risks when it comes to getting the extra yard. And I think he acknowledges that, which is why, like, we shouldn't see, uh, we shouldn't really see any difference in terms of how the game is called or how AR plays the game next year compared to the short stint we saw this year. Because, like, we just highlighted, everything is built around he should be going forward in a position where he is relatively safe as long as he slides and gets down more than he did in 2023. Exactly. And I think that's, he acknowledges that. And I think that's the difference with, with Lamar. Like you said, the numbers are pretty close because he's picking and choosing when he wants to go, but you also see him going out of bounds more this year. You see him sliding. If, if there's a danger, you know, if there's not because he's fast and he can outrun a lot of people, then you just keep going, you know? And, and I think that's, you didn't draft this kid to turn him into Phillip Rivers. That that's not why he's here. So you're not going to change. That would be the worst thing they could do is just say, all right, you're done running. And it, there is no indication of that from anybody from Chris Ballard, from Shane Sykin, from Anthony Richardson. There is zero indication that they're going to be that stupid to say, we're going to take away half the reason we drafted you. Um, but like you said, it's just tweaks. This isn't an overall, you don't need to come in here and change everything about the way you, you do this. You just need little tweaks. And I think you were, Exactly right. What you said earlier about like it's first and 10 and you slide for three instead of lowering your shoulder for five. That's the difference right there. Or you go out of bounds for seven instead of, you know, sticking and taking a hit for eight. Like it's it's that simple. And I really do think a lot of things around him are changing too. Jonathan Taylor is going to change this offense dramatically. I mean, that Taylor that we saw again in week 18, we hadn't seen that guy since 2021, but it was nice to see him again. And when you get him on the field with Anthony Richardson, and Ballard said, you know, point blank, he thinks greatness is coming from Jonathan Taylor in the near future. Greatness was there Saturday night. 188 yards with the season on the line. That's Michael Jordan stuff. I mean, that was, he took something personally that day. I don't know what, but he, uh, his ability with, with Anthony Richardson is going to change the way defense play him. And I think that's going to help too. Now, does that mean that I'm sitting here guaranteeing that you're going to have 17 games from Anthony Richardson? No, because it's football and things happen. How many quarterbacks across the league were, were out this year? It's part of the reason that, you know, the league fell off 
at times this season. There were so, especially in the AFC, a lot of court. What uh, Justin Herbert didn't finish the season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't really start the season. That's true. Joe Lamar, Burrow. Lamar was one of the few who's who's healthy. Look where the Ravens are. So, right. you know, I, we'll see how it goes. But I I think they're doing everything they can. You can't do anything about the luck component. They're doing everything they can to make sure that that he has the best chance to stay healthy next year. And that's what it is. You hope that, you know, some of the hits he does take, he lands the right way and not the wrong way like he did against the Titans at ended end of the season. But like I said, it sounds like the Colts and him are on the same page of it's just small tweaks, sliding, getting down, getting out of bounds, just having the big picture in your mind consistently of, hey, it's a, it's a marathon here. So getting the extra two yards to put my shoulder down is not worth it where I could risk an injury versus getting out of bounds. And now it's, again, second and two in the second quarter of week three. Every game's important, but being available, like you said, for 17 games is priority number one next year. And I think at least, I mean, look, it's a press conference, right? So you can say whatever you want. It's about how you act on it. So actions are going to be greater than words from AR next year. But it seems like that sentiment has hit home. And we should see, again, not drastic changes, but a little bit, more of like a, a veteran savvy, if you will, of just like knowing when to get down and knowing that, you know what, it's most of the time not worth putting my body on the line for an extra few yards um, when getting down and not getting hit is going to be the most important thing to this team's success because AR, like you said, he said it before, what'd you miss this year? The playoffs. This is a playoff team, George, if, if Richardson plays 15 games instead of four games. And that's why I agree if we go to Chris Ballard here when he said next year he's asked his expectations, it's to compete for the division and make the playoffs. I mean, he also kind of, I don't want to say caveated that, but basically said that's the, the goal every year. So I get that from his perspective. You put the team together to win games. You don't go into the year saying, ah, oh, I hope we win five games. That's it. No, you compete and think we're going to win every single game. That's just the, the mentality you have to have when you're in it. Um, but next year, like he's a hundred, like, he said that last year, George. We roll our eyes and laugh. Okay, yeah, you're competing for the playoffs. Go for it. But next year, like the expectation absolutely is you should be in the division race bare minimum next year until deep in the season. And if you don't win it, you should still – the fallback should be you're still in the wild card and you're competing this weekend next year in the playoffs. I think for sure Ballard said it. I like the fact he's not hiding from it. But next year, this team should be a playoff team, George, if Richardson plays – let's just say even 13 games at least next year. Yeah, that's the goal. And and I think, you know, Ballard said that he's been here, this will be his eighth year, and they haven't won the division, and I think they've only been in the playoffs twice, uh, and it, that burns them, and and it should. And, you know, and it burns the fans. I know that. That's the first thing you're going to hear about him and his tenure is, hey, they've never won the AFC South. Uh, and that's fair because you've got you've to get it taken care of. Now, they've been really close a couple times, Tied for the division, they had the best record in the division, along with the Bills in, in twenty eight, or the Bills, along with the Texans in twenty eighteen, and they ended up, uh, you know, beating Houston that year in, in the playoffs. So uh, you could argue they were the best team in the division that year, but they didn't win the division title, and they were eleven and five in a wild card in in twenty twenty. So that's a lot of times eleven and five is going to win the division championship. Uh, so it's not like they haven't had any hope at it and obviously this year they're 15 yards away from being the division champions if you finish that drive uh you know the way things turned out you'd be division champions right now 
So, yeah, I, obviously the expectation next year has to be to compete for that division title and to make the playoffs at the very least. Uh, but I also think they understand that that this is a window opening to to do something really special. And I, Shane Sykin said it. You know, they're, they're right on the cusp here of something really special. Uh, they've got a work to do. They know that. And that's, you know, kind of transitioning to Ballard and, and what he talked about. They know they have work to do on both sides of the ball. But the the foundation, I think what they found out this year, and we were talking about this is a evaluation year. They've got to find out who they've got and, and what they've got going on. I think what they found out this year is the foundation is a lot better than, than maybe we expected. Um, there There is enough here. The DNA is here for this to be a really good football team in the near future. Now, what do they got to do? According to Ballard, and I tend to agree with him, They've got to add explosive players on both sides of the ball. I agree. If we talk about that for a second, like that was definitely like, yes, especially in the secondary as well, right? That was an area that obviously was the biggest weakness. And that's why when it comes to like explosive players and when it comes to just, I guess, the flat out, first of all, decision to bring Gus Bradley back, right? Chris Ballard confirmed that Gus is back in 2024. We talked about it before, but just to reiterate it again, I think that's the right move. And I, I appreciate the fact that Ballard took ownership of, look, the secondary was my doing in the sense that we didn't beef it up last year. We basically, without saying it, admitted 2023, like you said, is an evaluation year. So we're not going to bring in – that's why we traded to find Gilmore because we know in two or three years from now when we're trying to compete, Gilmore's not going to be on this team. So may as well use this season as we evaluate a rookie quarterback. Let's evaluate some young corners and see what we got because it is the cheaper – but it's also the smarter way to go if you can grow and give these guys experience. And obviously with Juju not being healthy, that was frustrating. And Ballard, I don't think, was kind of shy about highlighting uh, his frustration with just Juju's inconsistent health all season long. But I think it's also like a, a reason why he's not firing Gus is he realized I'm putting him in a tough situation where, again, we talked about this the secondary with rookies playing all over with guys inexperienced, you know, even experienced players like Ronnie Harrison coming in late and playing both linebacker and safety and kind of moving them around and putting them in spots that he wasn't totally comfortable with. Like this was a trial by fire in the secondary for most of the guys. And again, I think overall they did better than expected. And so that's why I think that Gus coming back is the right move. And it's also, I also don't disagree with the overall philosophy of, we feel good about if they have to, if Jalen Jones and Juju Brents are two uh, starting corners in 2024, week number one, we're not panicking about that. Yeah, they're going to bring fuel uh, to his words. So they're going to bring competition to the cornerback room. We'll see what that looks like. Maybe some more veteran players, but it doesn't seem like they're going to be, I couldn't even tell you right now who's available, George, but like they're not going to go, let's say, spend $70 million and let's just say AJ Terrell, if he was available, he's not, but let's just say he was. Like that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I don't think that's the worst idea in part because I think they showed you enough to say they're at least competent and should grow with the year they had to where continuity with the coaching staff. And now year two, you feel a little bit less overwhelmed. You should be able to get better production in the secondary in 2024 than you did in 2023. Yeah, he brought up Dallas Flowers as well as somebody that they're excited to see coming back. So I think they feel pretty good about three of those guys. Uh, and that's what makes me think when he's talking about adding fuel, you're looking at guys who can compete, guys who can you know go out there and compete with Daryl Baker to be that number four corner 
uh, you know, and, and working that thing. And we'll see what happens with Kenny Moore. He's a free agent, so you may need to do something at the slot cornerback spot. Um, and if that happens, then it'd probably be a little bit bigger move there because obviously Kenny's been a big part of this defense for a while. But I think if there's one defensive back position that he seemed to highlight where if you're going to add an explosive player, it sounds like free safety is the one that, that they're most – they really liked what Julian Blackman did. He's a free agent too, but it sounds like they're going to try to bring him back. Um, they really enjoyed – you know, he had an outstanding year, according to Ballard, and he did. I mean, he played really well until he got hurt there at the end. Uh, but he said they need more consistency from that free safety spot, that there were moments where both Nick Cross and, and Rodney Thomas had plays and, and, and did some good things, but they weren't doing enough of it on a consistent basis. So it, it, for me, I mean, I, I got into this not to do math, but, uh, you know, I narrows it down to me, too. This is this is where they see the problem area is free safety. So be interesting if they see the what they see there. But I think when you talk about explosive players, to me, it's the passing game on both sides. I mean, I don't. With, one of the things we're going to be talking about a lot this offseason, it's going to be a huge topic, is like, what's the most important position and where should they add? I don't even know that you need to be specific. I think you need to add players that help the passing game, either on offense or defense. And I don't care if it's a pass coverage linebacker, that's fine. They need that. They need they need to be able to to have somebody who can, you know, do that better than than, than what they got this year uh, on a consistent basis. If it's a if it's a pass rushing linebacker, okay. You know, I don't know in, in Gus's scheme it's the best move, but it's okay. You know, whatever you've got to do. If it's an edge rusher, if it's a corner, if it's a safety, none of that matters. And on offense the same way, if it's a wide receiver, if it's a tight end, if it's a really good pass-blocking offensive lineman, I don't know that any of that should be ruled out. You know, a running back out of the backfield who catches the ball extremely well, which I think they have. His name is Evan Hall, uh, but unfortunately he was injured and, and, and didn't get to see as much of him. But they, I think those are, that to me is is the area of of need. It's not a position; it's a philosophy. Get playmakers or protectors in the pass game. Period. On both sides of the ball, whatever it takes, whoever it is, whatever position they play, that should be the number one goal. I love. I you're right because this, the game I think is evolving. To where it's not positionless like the uh, like the NBA is, where it's just kind of like five guys on the court and there's no traditional center, power forward, small forward. You got freaking LeBron James basically being a point guard at 6'11", right? So it's not like we're 6'9". You don't have – it's more positionless and more guys now are equipped to do different things. The NFL is kind of moving in that direction where you're right. Like it's not just, oh, they need a specific slot receiver that on third down can take the top of the defense. Or they need a specific – slot corner that could take like you know what I mean like that could punch the ball out on third down whatever like it is like put this guy in the field in a position to succeed doesn't matter the like it could be a nose tackle if you get a chris jones kind of player that can slide inside outside and is just a disruptor period no matter where you line him up that like that is absolutely just as impactful as adding a guy on offense who could take the top off the defense so it's like it is – I'm glad – I like the way you phrase that because it is – It's. I don't think this this should be viewed as your traditional, oh, they need a slot corner or a number one corner or a number two receiver on the outside. It is, like you said, a playmaker, and those come in all shapes and sizes. And also, too, George, it could be in the draft as well. Like I know, mm -hmm. you know people think, oh, explosive players, he's going to go talk about free agency. 
That's not true. It could be a trade. We've seen plenty of explosive players traded at the draft um, offensively and defensively. So that's something to keep an eye on. But it's also, I've seen a few mock drafts. It's early. But, I mean, Brock Bowers, tight end out of Georgia. I know the Colts have a lot of young, unproven tight ends. But, I mean, that's a guy that's a walking mismatch that can block really well, that can, you know, run a ton of routes, split out wide, line up at the end of the line. Like, that's a guy that is an explosive player and a walking mismatch. And so, like, that's that's probably the, the best way to describe it. Who is just a walking mismatch, offensively or defensively? Wherever you put them, they can make plays in the passing game, stuff in the run, getting after the quarterback, converting third third downs, taking a five-yard pass and turning into a 50-yard touchdown. There's all, like, you can define it in all different ways. But I think your overall philosophy of just, like, it's not – it's, like, it's a philosophy, just to use that word again, not a specific position that you, I, I think, are 100% right about. And I think that's a philosophy Ballard's going to take going into this offseason. When he talks about explosive plays, I don't think he's looking at a specific position. He's just looking at a certain skill set offensively and defensively, and I would agree, having that primarily be in the passing game, whether it's to stop the pass or to help AR and make AR's job easier, that should be the priority, without a doubt. And I think along with that, you know, what what did James Sykin say the other day? He wants continuity. That That's what he's looking for. He was speaking specifically about the coaching staff, and, and you know, by all accounts, Gus Bradley's coming back. Um, but I think that extends to the roster. I think they're going to try to bring as many of these guys back as they can. Now, Ballard, you know, stopped short of saying that the biggest chunk of free agency money is going to be spent on in-house guys because he he can't know that yet. Some of them may, you know, get really, really good offers that you cannot pass up. I mean, what if somebody wants to pay Grover Stewart, Chris Jones money? You know, you, you're not going to probably match that. So you could say, oh, I want him back, but there's still a ceiling to, to any of that. Um, so they're going to have to go and, and find you know, where, where they can fit these things in. But um, I do, I do like gut feeling is that they're going to lean more towards bringing their own guys back because again, Shane wants continuity. And I think that's going to extend to the roster and what we've seen in the past with free agency. I know Ballard kind of hinted, we'll, we'll get into this later in the off season, you know, Ballard kind of hinted that with the rookie quarterback, you can spend more and, and, and they might, but that there still has to be that guy out there. There still has to be that, that golden nugget he was talking about, uh, you know, to, to go get, I, the draft is probably going to be the major area that they add here. It's probably going to be more like re-sign Pittman, re-sign Julian Blackman, re-sign Grover Stewart, uh, whoever else you can get from that group and then add pieces in the draft uh, and, and it, mix in a Samson Ebicom or two, you know, from the outside, who has obviously been a big, big help for this team this year. But I think that's oh, sorry, George. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, finish your thought. Yeah, but I think that's that's all part of the continuity. The I the, the same philosophy that they've had, the same approach that they've had, because it worked really well this offseason. I mean, say what you want about the way the season ended, but for them to go from four twelve and one to nine and eight and be fifteen yards away from winning a division title, there's no reason to to you know throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Go back. To the, to the ideas that you had and double down on it. And again, what does that mean? Help Anthony Richardson in any way you can with both offense and defensive moves. I just want to read a, a direct quote from Ballard from Thursday about free agency, because like you said, that's obviously right. The, 
One of the biggest points of contention that fans are upset about with Ballard is the fact that he is very prudent with offseason spending in free agency. And so obviously he was asked about that. He said this on Thursday, quote, we're not paying the QB big money anymore. And so we're going to have uh, we're going to have some more flexibility and we'll always be prudent, but we'll be as aggressive as we need to be in free agency. I want to say that I want to read that quote first to highlight the point you just made. I agree with you in the sense that I think most of the free agent money, at least in Ballard's ideal world, will be spent on keeping guys here. Number one, there's a lot of big names that are free agents that you want to return. But the continuity part you highlighted, I think, is massive. Also, to the free agency perspective, like without at this point knowing truly who is going to be on the market and who's actually available to sign in free agency, most of the time, I think free agency is one of the most overblown things in the NFL where you can't build a team through free agency. You can get a finishing piece or two, but like you said, a Samson Ebucom, but you're, you're not getting – T. Higgins may be the exception. He may not even be available. We'll see what the, the Bengals want to do. But you're not getting a number one game-changing wide receiver in free agency. You are not getting a franchise quarterback in free agency. You're not getting a number one stand-down corner in free agency because most of those guys – are either signed by the teams that drafted them or are traded ahead of time knowing they, the team can't match it so they get something back and you see these big time draft day deals like AJ Brown, like others where, where players are traded a year early because they know that team, we can't pay them. So you never rarely see big time impactful players reach free agency. That's number one. Number two is to your point, there's a lot of big time players for the Colts here that are for agents that you want back. And the continuity, I think, is going to be one of the most important parts for 2024 because obviously, right, 2023 was played without Anthony Richardson for 85% of the year. But bring it like keeping everything else around Anthony Richardson stable, I think is the best thing the Colts can do next year to ensure when he comes back, there are going to be some rookie bumps in the road, obviously, but that like he's going to be able to pick up speed and be able to, to develop as quick as possible. Like if you think about it, we see as we're recording this Friday, right? The, the Patriots have let go of Bill Belichick. Uh, Pete Carroll's gone. There's right now eight job openings. And there could be even some after the playoffs. But you look at it from the Colts' perspective, unless there's a total twist and a total shock, George, it doesn't look like Jim Bob Cooter, Gus Bradley are, are going anywhere. And so you're going to have continuity in the coaching staff, which means for a guy of AR, you have to just worry about getting healthy. You don't have to worry about learning a new offense and, and having a, you know, a different way of teaching compared to what you had in your rookie year. You don't have to worry about adjusting to that. You should, if you are able to re-sign Michael Pittman Jr., you should have the same offense, let's just say bare minimum back. So the entire, you know, the offense line should be, um, should be back. And most of the receivers should be back. You want to add that's a different story, but like the continuity in terms of the obviously the head coach and Shane Sykin is going to be there. You're out, out OC and Jim Bob Cooter. The most of the guys that you are throwing to and handing the ball off should be back. And so if you're the Colts, I think continuity needs to be the biggest highlight of the offseason because the more things stay the same in 2024, I think the easier it is for Richardson to hit the ground running, get those rookie bumps out of the way. And continue to get better to where we are talking about this team being a playoff team this time next year because he's not worrying about a new offense or new terminology 
or getting on the same page with receivers because it's a whole new offense. He has to, you know, not only learn, but now new guys to throw the ball to build that rapport. There is a lot there where now, like for Richardson, it's getting healthy. That's the offseason um, priority versus getting healthy and learning a new offense and having to learn like four other new guys now in the offense um, as well. The fact that there are seemingly are no moving parts in terms of players and or coaches, I think George is the best thing that can make this team next year a playoff team or division winner. And I think that's especially important with one of the other things that Ballard was talking about, that there are going to be moments where Richardson still looks like a rookie next year because he only played in four games. And and especially early on, he's still going to be essentially a rookie in a lot of ways. So the more familiarity you've got around him, the more guys that, that he knows, like you said, the more you know players that he's played with, the more coaches that are same in his ear, I, I think the better that is. And it sounds like, that should be the outcome. Now, no team's going to come back exactly the same. We know that. There will be people gone. There'll be new faces in. But it's not going to be, you know, a quarter of the team or a third of the team or something like that where you're right. really shocked by it. And I and I do think with with quarterback who's still young, that's that's critical. I mean, you look at a lot of the mistakes that get made with young quarterbacks. I go back to the Bears because they're probably the, the chief offender of this year in and year out. You, go, you bring in Justin Fields. You trade up for him in the draft. And then you fire the head coach the next year. And so in year two, he's got a whole new coaching staff. What are they doing now? Getting rid of the offensive coordinator. So if they do keep him, and we don't know what they're going to do because they're the Bears and nobody knows. But if they do keep him, he's going to be on yet another offensive coordinator. So you don't want to go down that road. I mean, pretty much in the NFL, whatever the Bears do, don't do that. Do something <laughs> else. That's a pretty good uh, you know, rule of thumb. But it's quarterbacks need that kind of guidance, you know, for the most part. I mean, you look at Tom Brady had the same head coach for 20 years. Peyton Manning had Tom Moore there the entire time. The head coach changed a little bit at the end, but they had the same offensive coaching staff for the most part, the critical guys for his entire time here in Indy. Uh, you just can't – it's never a great idea to start shaking things up around these rookie quarterbacks. Like Justin Herbert's happening to him in, in, in L.A. So many different coaches, so many different people coming in and out. You know, and look at the Chargers. Where is it getting them? They're sliding backwards. They're not. They're not making gains. So, you, I I think that's hugely important here that that you keep the the support staff around Anthony Richardson intact and let him actually grow and develop. And that's why, if we're sitting here, George, I don't know, let's say in April or May, and the Colts have seventy-two million dollars right now available in free agency, and let's say most of that is spent on keeping guys in house. Bringing Julian Blackman back, bringing Kenny Moore back, bringing Michael Pittman Jr. back, bringing Grover Stewart back, and uh, a large chunk is spent on keeping in-house guys here. I, I, that to me is not a failure. Again, we'll see how it plays out and who's also available and and what possible like. But that to me is not a failure on Chris Ballard, or that's not oh same old prudent Ballard like go out there and make a big splash. Again. Samson Embercom is a great example. Yeah, you you can go get a receiver of that elk or whatever, a position you think, a, a backup swing tackle, you you name it. We can talk about minor tweaks to the roster for sure. But you're, to your point, like something that the Colts, first of all, have not had in a very long time. You mentioned at the start of the pod, it's the first time in maybe a decade. This is going to be the most boring Colts offseason uh, off with no quarterback or head coach questions, which is a blessing. But like some of the best teams, George, to your point in the NFL, 
are the ones that are the most consistent with continuity, whether it's head coach and quarterback, head coach and OC, you know, whatever, you name it. Like the teams that stick together for the most part are the ones that usually are the most consistently successful. And so you look at this offseason compared to last offseason, right? It was new head coach, new quarterback, new off uh, offensive line coach, like some new players sprinkled in. Like everything was different going into 2023 than it was in 2022. And now you're going to see not only was 2023 a success, you finished over 500 with a backup quarterback, everyone is coming back. And so it's like also, too, you don't have to worry about, even though Shane Sykin's the main play call, right? Even if Jim Bob Cooter left, it's still – a, it's going to be a different voice in AR's ear that even though Steichen is there, and that's obviously the most important that he's going to be there, it's still just another obstacle you have to learn and figure out and deal with along with getting healthy and along with getting, you know, the rust off yourself. Everything for the most part, even with eight jobs open as we speak, continuity in the coaching staff, continuity with the players, I think it's it's the best thing for where the Colts are right now. Going to 2024, George, it's the best thing I think you can ask for if we're talking about Ballard spending most of that $72 million in the draft for some big time players, um, you know, high round draft picks and uh, re-signing most of their own players. Yeah. And I think that's a plan. I really do. They're not going to come out and spell it out, obviously. And we maybe have a better idea when the combine rolls around and we maybe won't, you know, it might be into March when free agency opens, when, when we'll really know, uh, but they can start re-signing any of those guys tomorrow. You know, I mean, the, the guys that are in house, you can take care of that whenever you want. Uh, and I do think that that's probably going to be the priority. It just makes the most sense. I don't think you're going to see it happen really fast because obviously you want to wait and get the, the salary cap number for next year and all those things taken care of that kind of go through the, the off season. But you can start talking about the framework of stuff, you know, and then make it fit when you have the, the details and the numbers. Uh, I think Pittman's going to be hard. I think he's kind of made that clear. Um, that, you know, he's, he's not going to take less money. We, we talked about that way back, you know, beginning of the year. I, I never thought he would be a guy that signed early because, you know, how much more can he get now than he could have gotten if he signed in August because of the season that he just had. And he knew that, and he was always going to bet on himself. And I think it's the same boat now. I don't think he's going to take something early from the Colts without at least exploring what else might be out there because, you know, who knows? If somebody wants to, to do to him what the Jaguars did to Christian Kirk, he'd be insane not to to take that, you know, and go. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but I do think he I think he'll be back ultimately, but I think it's gonna be a really big number. I think it's gonna be a top of the the market number, and it should be, uh, because he has that importance to this team. You know, you can argue about whether he's the best receiver in the league, but it really doesn't matter. What matters is, is he as important as the best receiver to the league to this particular football team? And, and the answer to that is yes. And two, Ballard said it, right? The receivers are what the market says they are. Mm -hmm. um, and I also like the fact that he was asked about Jonathan Taylor on Thursday. And he, you know, part of the, one of the reasons why he said the deal got done eventually was he checked the ego at the door. I mean, him, maybe that was also JT as well. And that's why I think if you look at Pittman now going to this offseason, I think the entire Jonathan Taylor saga makes it more likely Pittman is back because you were you were still able to find a middle ground. Yeah, fingers crossed. Especially for those listening on the on the uh, listening to the audio version, George is crossing his fingers. You're right. I mean, fingers crossed he's back. That's priority number one this offseason. We'll get into that um, in a later pod. But also, too, another thing he said was not just checking the ego at the door. It's also, I mean, use the tools, George, at your disposal. 
one of them is the franchise tag. The, the last mm -hmm. Ballard does not use it often. I think right still the last time it was used was Pat McAfee. Yep, before so, Grixon actually franchised Pat McAfee. So so you know what? Then good point or good call. So Ballard's never used it in his tenure as a Colt, uh, at least as a GM. But it's one of those things where I think bare minimum, you got a franchise tag Pittman here in 2024 to keep that continuity and also give yourself more time to where if the number is too high for your liking or you're too far apart, well, franchise tag and buy more time. We saw with Jonathan Taylor buying more time and he's under, you know, the final year of his deal. So it's like they had to franchise tag him or make a decision, you know, in March of last year. But that time eventually allowed even what turned into a contentious relationship eventually allowed a deal to get done. And obviously we saw Jonathan Taylor's importance to this offense this year. We saw one game Pittman missed and we saw how bad of an offense it looked. It is important to keep Pittman here. Um, and so I think bare minimum, you got to franchise tag him just to buy yourself time to work on a deal and get something going here. I, I just, I can't foresee a situation, George, where the Colts let him go. And unless you want to sign T Higgins, who is, we could argue maybe the same caliber receiver and maybe, I, I don't know if you can get him at a cheaper price, same, whatever, whatever. But unless it's like you're making a big time trade to get a receiver to town, or you're signing a big time receiver in free agency, I can't see the excuse to not use the franchise tag uh, and just let Pittman walk away for free and sign somewhere else and, and bare minimum not match the money where especially like Ballard said, you got a QB and a rookie deal. You got to take advantage of that for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And that's my, my fingers crossed is, is about learning from last year with Jonathan Taylor, not letting it get to, Point. you know the, the really ugly part because last year this time it didn't look like that was going to happen there either you know it looked like things were pretty good between two and they make it work but i do think and Pittman has said that like he's not looking forward to the franchise tag but he certainly didn't sound like a guy who's going to not play on the franchise tag it's something along the lines of you know 23 million dollars is not not like some kind of burden that would be on him so you know he understands um and i do think like i don't think either side wants it to get there but i do think that that will be in play if if it needs to be and that's basically what ballard said he doesn't want to use the franchise tag he will if he has to i think they would rather get something done before that but at the same time excuse me as you mentioned you don't don't let it get to a point where he's truly free and he's truly out there you know tag him if right. you have to um, and then you can work on and, and even Pittman said well you know if, if you do get tagged you can still work on a long-term deal Absolutely. And that's where, if you're Ballard, the creativity, um, I think has to be paramount here. And again, spending big money on in-house guys is still spending big money, right? You're still spending a lot of free agency money. Even if it's on your own guys, it's not like it doesn't count. And so I think Ballard, at least, again, we, like we talked about with AR and sliding and getting out of bounds, they are both Ballard and Richardson saying what you want to hear now for next year. Ballard talked about, hey, look, rookie quarterback let's take advantage of that and we'll be aggressive if we have to be it sounds nice but as we know george right words are cool actions are better and that's where we'll really see if ballard's able to put his money where his mouth is in terms of retaining Pittman, ponying up the money um that it takes to keep him here keep other important and key free agents here in india as well that's where we'll really see um where if Ballard's going to put his money where his mouth is there this offseason and Again, it still counts if you spend a lot of money for agency on your own players.
Um, I think that he said, sorry, but you know, I, I think he said coming in, um, that was his goal. That that's what he wanted to do was get to the point where he's spending money on his own guys, not bringing in big time free agents, but drafting guys who he needs to pay and and re-signing them. That was the goal all along. Right, and that's like that's. I think every team would say that. You know, if you're if you're doing what the Patriots did a few years ago and spending record money to bring all these other guys in. Sure, you, you may quote unquote win the offseason, George, and get your fans excited because, oh, look at all this money we're spending. Look at all these big time guys coming in. But that also highlights well, th- you're spending all that money and, you know, bringing in five, six, seven free agents could just swing and miss on a lot of guys you drafted. And that means your roster is probably not as sound as it should be if you're, if you're relying on free agency to be the biggest, you know, roster building tool you're going to use. It's not a very good sign and not a very good sign of a healthy team. And obviously we've seen the Patriots, they bottomed out to where now their head coach has lost his job in part because he can't draft well. And so, like I said, Ballard's done a good job in the draft. And now if we're sitting here talking about a majority of the money being spent in for agency to keep a lot of the guys he drafted here, it's a good thing. That's a good sign. It means that they're hitting um, and that they're developing at the rate that the Colts thought they would. So I'm with you. That's, I think a really good and healthy sign going forward if we're talking about a large chunk of the free agency money being spent to keep their own guys um, in-house here, making sure they're not leaving. And also, again, highlighting the continuity that we've been talking about, that Ballard's been talking about, that Shane's been talking about, and keeping what you had, which is a good thing here, with the addition, by the way, of a top four pick at quarterback now as well, that should really get you excited for 2024. Speaking of which, George, the last thing I want to bring up from um, Thursday's press conferences is about AR, and it's about what Chris Ballard said about AR. I This, to me, w- was the, the comment he made where I was like, whoa, that's interesting. And he talked about Anthony Richardson. Number one, he said, like, this guy's a legitimate passer, and, and Ballard already is sold on his ability to pass in order to win big in this league. But what shocked me was the fact that he was like, I had my doubts last year, which, again, we talked about Richardson being a project. And that was part of the reason why I was on the fence of if they should draft her or not, because there's a lot of good there, but also a lot of bad. And Ballard, we know, is someone who drafts and does anything. He has to be all in, like fully convicted on the player, on the idea in order to do it. And I am surprised, to be honest, that he did have his doubts about Richardson passing just because I figured if he drafted him, he would believe in his ability to develop as a you know franchise quarterback and put it all together. But I'm also equally surprised, to be honest, that in just the four games we saw from Richardson, one in which he finished, that already Ballard feels sold that, oh, this guy absolutely can throw the rock in order to win games. Yeah, you know, I think there's two things there. I think one, I think it tells you Shane Steichen had a big role. We knew that from from draft day. Uh, Jim Irsay basically said that Shane Steichen convinced him that that Anthony Richardson could be a, a good elite level passer in this league and that's why he got on board with it uh, and i think i don't think there's so much that ballard had doubts as it was that he knew that it wasn't a guarantee if that makes sense he knew that that was something that could go wrong you know i think he expected he saw the 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 raw material and he knew that there was a chance and then he trusted that shane that that shane could get that out of him uh but i do think that that's what the the big takeaway there is that He's already so quickly in in such a short time with Shane seen, okay, it's happening. You know, it's working. It's going to be something. And I was watching the team put out a a highlight tape of 
of uh, AR's best plays of of 2023, which is you know not long, unfortunately, because of a uh, short time he's in there. But there's even on there, there's a couple of throws where you're like, yeah, that's you know that's that's not a rookie, that's not a raw. All the all the things that we heard, but I think a lot goes into that. I mean, his pocket presence. We talked about that as far back as the spring is way ahead of of where you would expect any rookie to be. Um, I don't think he was ever as raw as as he was, you know, made out to be in terms of his mechanics, in terms of, uh, you know, what was there. He's raw in the sense of experience. He hadn't done it at a high level for a long time. But it, it wasn't, I don't think it was a situation where Shane had to overhaul everything he did, where his mechanics were just completely out of rat whack and they had to just fix all that. I don't think it was anything like that, you know, and, and he quickly got on board with whatever it was Shane and, and, you know, Jim Bob Cooter deserves some credit here. Camp Turner, all those guys, you know, that, that are affecting that quarterback room. Um, it happened really, really, really quickly. And that's a takeaway to me. I think with Ballard, it was more of, I don't want to say it was a lottery ticket, but he understood this is something that could go really well, or it could be, you know, something that holds this kid back. And that concern is, is gone now for him just four games into his career, which is, Really, really good thing to say. And I do think it's not just those four games. I, I, Ballard probably would have said a similar thing out of training camp. I mean, you could see in training camp he was throwing the ball really well, um, you know, compared to where you expected him to be. And it just – I think the thing with him is – coaches talk about all the time. It's funny. It's not just going to be a linear upward arc, right? There's like – for him on the passing side, it really was. Came in the rookie minicamp, and the whole rest of it was just straight up, which – you don't see that very often. I think that's part of what Ballard's reacting to. It's a good point, too, because, right, if he was a sure thing, he's not on the Colts. He's on the Panthers or he's on whoever traded up to number one to go get him. And so you're right. Like, that's that's why he will say, quote, unquote, fell to number four was because there were risks. Um, and it was, like I said, far from a guarantee that he would put it all together in order to um, to give you hope that he could be, like, one of the best quarterbacks. I mean, we talked about it in the pod back in the spring. It's a risk, but with how talented he is, if he puts it together, I mean, the ceiling is the best quarterback in the league. The mm -hmm. floor is he's gone in three years and he's a total bust and, you know, you can't figure it out. Um, so there, like you said, the the, the scale uh, was very, very both high and low where like C.J. Stroud is more like his floor was higher because he's more polished and there was like, okay, you know what he could be. Now it's, you know, how – how good can he get or how high can his ceiling can he climb? Same thing with Bryce Young. You're not going to call him, per se, total busts, but the question is how good and consistent can they be? With Richardson, there was a chance it was going to look ugly. It could be, you know, we've seen plenty of athletic quarterbacks um, flame out fast and not put it all together. But, but, I mean, it's a reason to be excited, George. It's It was a short sample size, but I don't – and you know Ballard better than I do, and you obviously are in the room, so you can kind of also not just hear what he's saying, but sense what he's saying. He, to me, does not come off like someone who's going to spew BS or, or just lie to your face to, to, to make himself look good or make the other guy look good. I, I am, to me, I fully believe him. When he's talking about being bought into Richardson's throwing ability, like you said, maybe also includes training camp and OTAs and everything he's seen since he stepped into the building after being drafted fourth overall. He's not saying that if he didn't believe it. And that's, I think, a big reason to get excited of the for a GM that was, again, not skeptical. It, it's a fail. Like, there's it, – it, it could not work, right? It was not anything um, – it was nowhere near, near I should say, uh, a sure thing that it works out. 
But in this short of time where basically it's a calendar year we're talking about, and he's already sold on this, this kid's the, the real deal. And the biggest questions we had, or we feel like they've already been answered. Boy, George, the optimism for 2024 is already starting to build. Yeah, if there's any spellcasters out there that can just, you know, put a health spell on on Anthony Richardson or whatever needs to be done there. That that's really the only I think that's that's the component you can't know, you know, until the time comes. Um, I do know this. He's gonna work as hard as anybody to to be healthy. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that, that they really I think they knew about it in the process. I don't want to say they learned about it when he got here. I think they learned about it when they were studying him. That work ethic matches the the freakish athleticism. And Jonathan Taylor said it flat out. That's why he's so excited about this quarterback. Because when you get this level of talent with that high of a personal character and a football IQ and that strong of a work ethic, more often than not, those are the guys you end up having to worry about down the road. Uh, and I think that's something that, I think that's the feeling in the Colts building. But the, the question is, again, as it has been uh, forever, it feels like the health of the quarterback. I mean, it goes back to Andrew Luck, right? And I think that's why there's PTSD in in this town. Um, he, can he stay healthy? If he can, sky truly is a limit for him and for this football team. And one thing I know is it, 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 they won't fail in keeping him healthy because he didn't do enough to make it happen. And that's, I think, from our perspective, media, fans, um, that's, what, that's what you want. Like, if he's going to fail, it's going to be – Lack of health, can't figure it out. It's not going to be because of, of a lack of work ethic. And we've seen plenty of talented players in general, not just quarterbacks, players in general, uh, have a lot of talent, not of the work ethic, and not make it. And like you say, it's even with someone that's injured and could have could have mailed it in. You know, it's you're on the sideline. You cannot pay attention. You cannot be there. You can say, oh, this is, you know, I'm getting paid and I'm not playing. This is so cool. Like, and does not seem to be with that uh, with AR whatsoever. Like I said, made like the fact that he can make impressions on his teammates, his coaches, his GM when you're not out there that much, and still they're talking about, like I said, blown away with all his motivation and and, and personal characteristics of just how uh, internally motivated he has to be great. That I think really shines through because you're doing extra work when no one's watching, and when I don't want to say you don't have to, but it's like easier to take your foot off the gas right when you're hurt and you know you're out for the year easier to kind of coast and I'll be at meetings, but am I going to really pay attention? Am I going to, you know, do whatever? Doesn't seem to, to be that way with AR. And that's, again, another reason why optimism should be very high. And to finish off kind of where we started, why next year, George, bare minimum, the floor should be playoffs. Like, like wild card bare minimum for this team next year, in part because what we've seen in the little parts of AR, but also, too, with what this team accomplishes here. The expectations going into training camp are going to be significantly different than they were a year ago. And it'll be interesting to see because I thought the crowds this year were outstanding at training camp. There were big crowds uh, pretty much throughout the entire time, but I would expect that's going to even somehow grow. I mean, there, there were so many sellouts last year. I think there may be even more this year because I think you can feel the excitement building in the fan base, you know, at least from, from the part of the fan base that, that I deal with on, on a regular basis. Uh, there's a lot of people that are, genuinely excited about what this team can do disappointed beyond belief about the way this season ended and certainly concerned about whether or not ar can stay healthy but so excited about the, the potential of richardson and taylor and steichen together for 17 games i mean you got one play of it 
and, and you may now get 17 games of it if, if the football gods are are so willing. Uh, and and I think that's where the excitement comes from, and, and rightly rightly so. You know, you figure out how things are going to go. There's no guarantees in this league. Um, but future in Indy is, is as bright as it is, I would say, anywhere in the NFL right now. And it's been as bright as it's been in a while, if you think about it, like, you know, Carson went say what you want about expectations before the season started that, I mean, there was talk about, oh, this is the long-term fix, but it did feel a little bit more of like a stopgap. And we'll see Matt Ryan, obviously, and Phillip Rivers, one or two year fixes, plugs in the hole, but not actually fixing the problem long-term. I even luck, you know, no one knew what to expect in 2018. So it's like, there's cautious optimism, but no one has, no one has any idea if he can get back to the levels that he got to before he got hurt. So this is the first time in a long time where it's like, well, there's a reason to believe not just for the season, but for the future actually being bright of we got the guy. And this, this, you know, this could be the start of something, not just, oh, 2024 should be fun, but who knows after 2024, what the team's going to look like. This core is built, George. Now it's obviously a, a large part of this for agents period is going to be sustaining that core and growing to, and continuing to build off of what has been a, looking back now a week removed. You can kind of put the, a little bit of the emotional frustration of the loss aside for a second. What well, was as good of a year as you could possibly ask for outside of winning that game and, and thus winning the, win the division and us talking about a playoff game versus talking about the end of the season. It could have gone. It couldn't have gone any better than that, considering um, what the Colts were dealt with in 2023 and how they still overcame a lot of those challenges. Um, so about, it's very exciting. This division is going to be something else too. I mean, we talked about it a little bit during the season. We had some guests talking about it. Uh, the, the Texans are right there. I mean, I said the Colts have as bright a future uh, as anyone. The Texans are right there. They're they're level with them in that regard. Uh, you know, those those two teams could be two of the better teams in, in the league here for the next few years. Uh, Jacksonville has just got to get it figured out with, with Trevor Lawrence, but the potential is there for them to join that group as well. And who knows what Tennessee is going to do? It's a whole new direction. It's a rebuild down there. Um, but if they're right about Will Levis, if he's a hit for them eventually, if he can stay healthy, they could join it as well. So, you know, maybe a couple more years down the line for them. But this division is, is set up to be as dumb as it sounds and, and as odd as it sounds, you know, after, after years of, of what it was, one of the marquee divisions in the NFL. I mean, the NFC West for a while, right? The 49ers are not very good. The Rams are not very good. Seattle was consistent, but the Cardinals are up and down. Like, and now, I mean, now it's come back down to earth a little bit, but that was like two years ago. We're talking about this could be the best division ever. AFC West. There was a lot of like, there's been plenty of divisions that have been down for a while that everyone around the same time, whether it's young quarterbacks, whether it's new coaches, like rose up and now all of a sudden you're talking about three or four teams legitimately vying for the division in a given year. I mean, bare minimum, George, we're going into next year talking about Jaguars, Colts, uh, Texans. You can easily make a case for all three and all three fan bases easily should say, oh, we can win the division this year without a doubt. And it's you for the number least of three teams. We have not been able to say that in the AFC South for a while that all three teams expect to compete and should compete for a division title. And it's going to be like that for a long, long time to come. It's usually been kind of a streak, right? The Colts obviously dominated for a while. Then the Texans grabbed a hold of it. Then the Titans grabbed a hold of it. And now it's back to being wide open and competitive for the first time in a long time. That's going to be 
I'm sure frustrating because, I mean, look, if the Texans, they look like they got the real one. CJ Stroud's now going to be a thorn in this team's side for the next decade. And Trevor Lawrence, like you said, I think I, I'm not writing him off. Um, I know that this did not go well, but there's – for me, I think their, their future's still bright. And if Richardson can stay healthy and continue to go on the path that we think he can, I mean, these three young quarterbacks are going to be around for a long time and should be the thorn in the other team's side for a, a very – very long time. So it's a exciting time for the division and exciting time right now here for the Colts. So this was at least a, a big pod to react to Richardson and Chris Ballard. We will do one more pod next week or to bring you behind the curtain. Our schedule is going to change a little bit here now that the offseason is here, but also George, now that it's going to be a very, at least we believe, and this is where the classic blue horseshoe pie jinx comes in. Uh, we believe it's going to be a pretty quiet offseason, right? There's no head coaching search. There's no quarterback um debate so we're going to scale the pod back to one time a week probably on wednesdays we have not decided the schedule um but subscribing on youtube blue or pod and also subscribing wherever you do get your pods same name blue or podcast that's where you can obviously get the alert anytime we do drop a pod most weeks should be on wednesday um but next week we at least are planning on doing a full season review offensive mvp defensive mvp and kind of one last time, closing the book and taking a look back on what was a very unexpected 2023 season and giving you our, our final thoughts uh, before we start to look ahead to 2024 and the offseason. So that is our plan. Look out for that, again, wherever you do get your pods and, and on YouTube as well. Uh, enjoy the weekend. How about this? Uh, I mean, well, again, it sucks. It would be nice to be playing a playoff game, George, right? It would be nice to sweat. Um a win or go home game, I guess, for your sake, it's good that you're not going to be in Kansas City this week, which is That's a sad. possibility, uh, where it's going to be, what, minus 30? Uh, I'm sure you're not too upset that you're not going to be braving those helmets. <laughs> it was cold enough the last time I was in Kansas City for a playoff game, and it was not minus 30. So, no, um, not sad about that one, I, I got to admit. But, you know, hey, look, and, um, there's a lot to watch out there from Colts fans, too, because I think, you know, um, you want to see what the Texans do with this opportunity, for one thing. Uh, and see who is who is the dog in the AFC. You know what what target are they chasing? They're gonna find that out over the next couple of weeks. That's true too. This is also an eye on the rest of the conference because not just the AFC South is young and exciting. This conference, mm -hmm. which is in one way good, but also in a way frustrating because it's gonna be tough sledding for a while. This conference has a lot of good young teams and a lot of good young quarterbacks. Some obviously are banged up and not playing, but you'll see CJ Stroud in a playoff environment for the second time. Um, you'll see a few other young quarterbacks as well, too, getting his first taste of the playoffs. It's going to be an interesting little landscape, like you said, to kind of get an eye to see not just in the division who the Colts got to match up with, but in the conference, who to keep your eye on now going forward and who's going to be um, some of the big-time competitors now going forward here the next few years. So enjoy Wild Card Weekend as much as you can. Still painful the Colts tonight, but still, hey, enjoy playoff football. We'll be back next week right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.